G'day, welcome to On The Road, the number one Australian trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're an independent voice in Australian trucking and proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Today, welcome to show 153. A little bit of a different format this show. Bob rang me up. Uh, we we're going to do something to talk about and we ended up just pressing record we ended up having a very long conversation so no specific something to talk about this week just bob and i having a conversation about stuff we hope you get something from it chloe styler joins andy for a bit of a chat we're going to play a couple of her new tracks and of course the news uh let's get the show on the road let's get this show on the road Bob and I, Bob McMillan, my old mate, and I are going to do one dirty, great, big, long something to talk about, something to think about segment today because there's a bit going on and uh, probably a bit of a discussion's not out of place. Bob, how are you, mate? I'm well, thanks, Mike. I, uh, I'm a bit confused by some of the goings-on, but anyway, we'll cover that as we go. <laughs> If you're confused, mate, God help anyone else. <laughs> That's all I can say. Oh, no, I don't, no, don't know that I've got a monopoly on not being confused. Oh, well, look, <laughs> we've, we've been having a bit of a look. You and I have been saying for a while, particularly you have been saying about this top-down uh, idea that you've got. and seems as though someone at the ATA has been reading our emails, mate. What do you reckon? Well, either that or they've come up with a similar idea at the, at, at, a, at the same time, which mm. either way is fine by me. Yeah. Because, uh, but there's a bit more to it than that. Right, um, eh? Yeah, the, but like they, uh, I have in front of me what they've come up with and it's, it's, it's more, than, uh, more than acceptable and more than um, uh, fair so and reasonable. And it's, gonna... certainly, it's certainly in line with, uh, with what we've been talking about. Terrible um, and we've got to agree with the ATA, isn't it? Well, yes and no. Like, uh, I, I, if we still want to start talking about what's happened in the past, we're going to have to do some say some embarrassing things for Senator Glenn Stirl and the mm. Labor Party and the TWU too. So, well, we right. won't go back there. <laughs> right, right. What we want to do, what we want to do, is, is, is deal with the present. Well, we can't keep raking over the coals, can we? No, no. Well, there's no, no there's no court, no need for that. No. And there's a few other places it needs to stop too, but that's not part of this discussion. All right. Well, what are we discussing then? You, you, I'm well, gonna, I'm gonna throw the ball into your court. Well, first of all, I want to, I, I want to go through in a minute um, uh, what the ATA has proposed and why it is acceptable. Right. But first of all, I, I want to uh, just um, talk about the other. Other, all the other people who are beating a path to the government and um, the, the federal government's door about all these uh, inadequacies of road transport, the yep. TWU and RTO and the um, Australian Logistics Council and everyone are talking about. Yep. Um, we've had this uh, all these trucks condoing on the weekend, and I'm not quite sure what they're condoing for. Mm. And the reason, I, and I'm not being a smart ass here, Mike. You're not. Um, the ATA is the only one that's shown any transparency here, and we've been asking for transparency, both you in uh, in your endeavours and me both in um, uh, something to talk about and other other areas, a couple of interviews we've had. Yep. Um, you know, and even the NRFA, who I thought would uh, 
be able to show a bit of transparency, but they're they're obviously in step with the TWU also, according to the press releases. So uh, I'd like to see some transparency from the other uh, proponents in all this. But at the same time, uh, I'm prepared to uh, give due credit to the ATA for one coming up with what I think is a good and acceptable idea and suggestion. Mm. And I'd like to hear from the rest of the industry what they think of it and whether it's in step with what they're thinking, proposing or, or, or aiming for. Yeah, well, it's amazing how silent some of them are sometimes, isn't it? You just don't know. Well, it is. And it's it's just, uh, you know, like um, uh, it's okay to talk about the inadequacies of the road transport industry, but every industry has inadequacies and, and we've only got to look at what's happening with construction and building and some of these other areas like uh, uh, insolvencies in road transport are uh, well well uh, down from the top of the list where they used to be. Yeah. And um, but it's, it's you always have inadequacies while you've got inadequate people doing inade- inadequate things. <laughs> and uh, you know, and what the questions we've got to ask ourselves is, wherever did uh, you know did did did, did um, well who, whoever or whatever led to. Uh, uh, unviable rates being so prevalent. Whoever and whatever decided that we could live with negative fuel levies. Mm. Whoever and whatever decided that it was okay to give, you know, to insist on a 15, 15% discount from someone if they turned up with a set of flat top B double trailers. Yeah. Uh, I think there's inadequacies on both sides of the equation. And uh, I, I haven't sort of, apart from what I'm seeing here from the ATA, and, and uh, I, I don't know what else anyone else intends to do about it and the interesting thing is in all these uh, condors on the weekend some of the uh, main culprits were well represented <laughs> so you reckon that we've got the uh, the foxes in charge of the headhouse now do you mate well i think we have mate yeah <laughs> but- I, th- I think it's more serious than when than when um when uh tom caban used to run right in the colorings on a friday night <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh dear no you're dating yourself now, mate. Ah, uh, well, no, Barry, Barry will agree with me. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Yeah. So what are the ATA proposing that uh, you find so attractive, mate? Well, they put out a um, on the 28th of July in their Friday Packs uh, newsletter, mm. which, by the way, doesn't only go to members. Like, I'm not a member of the ATA. Uh, I've, I've certainly contributed to plenty of the programs in the past for both the ATA and before that when it was the Road Transport Federation. Sorry, the Road Transport Forum. Um, but, you know, the ATA wasn't around in 1979. It, it didn't start till the late 80s. And uh, so for someone who's come along later, um, they've, uh, they've taken a refreshing viewpoint as far as I can see. Mm. And what they did on the, in their Friday Facts uh, newsletter on the 28th part, mm. they have put out their proposed commission slash court powers in relation to contracts and cost schedules. Right. It's a two-page document uh, with uh, one, two, three, four headings and uh, six, six, uh, uh, one, two, yeah, six separate uh, items under the four headings. Sub, the subheadings, yep. Yes, yeah, under yeah, six subheadings, yep. yes. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, they've... Uh, the, the, the first thing, and they're in total step, totally in step with you and me here, because mm. the first paragraph says the Commission should not have the ability to make orders setting freight rates for road transport businesses, however constituted. That's right. 
So no, with, no with argument from back, me. Yeah, no argument from me on that one. Not me neither. Right. Yep. And then the second uh, heading, second subheading is ability to set contract standards. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's uh, four four uh, sort of sub paragraphs to that, but it just says the commission should be able to make orders setting road transport contract standards, including in relation to, and it goes on with formulas for uh, fuel levies, payment terms, uh, one-way termination for convenience clauses, which I'm not exactly sure what they mean by that. Right. And then any other contract terms the commission considers appropriate, subject to item one, and item four, which is uh, about how they come about uh, de uh, deciding on what what costs uh, reasonable costs are. Yeah. Well, so then uh, they then uh, set out their uh, ideas on how to what uh, it needs to uh, determine that a contract is fair. Yeah. And this is uh, a part that I quite like. It says the commission or court should be able to determine that a road transport contract term is unfair if under all the circumstances the parties are unable to demonstrate that a contract term has regard to the costs faced mm. by the business, including, and it sets out all the different costs, including wages, tolls, telematic charges, customer compliance costs, yep. which, which of course would be would include waiting time at, D at DCs, I should imagine. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. And then uh, the last item of that is any other costs the commission or court considers relevant. Yep. So you know that's that's refreshing because that's totally in line with uh, with uh, what I proposed in when I had my thought bubble about starting from the other end and coming from the top down. Mm. And and uh, then um, it goes on. Uh, it makes some provisions under item four, making a determination under the under the that a contract is unfair. The commission or court should be required to consider, and it just goes on by different on on about the different uh, makeups of costs in a business that faces its financial structure and um, how uh, how it's come about, how it's uh, um, calculating or justifying its costs. Mm. But the uh, the last item is the one that I really like. Right, eh? yep. this would put us in line with uh, what goes on in America with that. Uh, um, trucking costs indicator that the American government does that I spoke about a few weeks ago in something to talk about. Yes. And it says in, in part paragraph five, the commission should be able to publish indicative cost schedules to assist businesses to comply with item three, which is uh, unfair contracts or whether they're fair or not. Mm. And number six, and this is the best bit, to develop cost schedules, the commission should be required to constitute an expert panel under new provisions to be added to Section 620 of the Act. And what does that mean? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I think they must be talking about six, Section 620 of the Industrial Relations Act mm. because in, um, in uh, Senator Glenn Stirl's address to the, the, the Senate about uh, these uh, inadequacies being addressed and, yeah. and what's going on in the background without, with himself out, without giving us any details, he uh, he he mentioned that, that that a lot of this stuff's going to be under the industrial under the uh, um, purview of the minister for industrial relations or minister for industry and whatever it is. I've forgotten the title now, mate. Yeah, yeah. Look, the titles are just a title. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What I find incredibly interesting is we've now got these groups coming out and saying they support all this change. I mean, uh, Peter Anderson's only come out today. He's the CEO of uh, Victorian Transport Association, uh, the Victorian Transport Association. He's the National Secretary of the ARTIO. Yes, he is, and I read his statement, and what he's virtually saying is whatever the whatever the TWU comes up with, we'll agree with. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And yeah, now, the issue there is mm. we've spoken before about the uh, inadequacies of driver pay when they hook up an extra trailer. Yes. Three cents a kilometre or 24 cents an hour. How yeah. generous. Oh, look, I, we could all live on that, mate. Oh, that'll buy me an extra. Yeah, yeah. well, all these, all these wages agreements... Mm. And people won't like me using this term, but it is a term. All these wages agreements come about when the Industrial Relations Club gets together <laughs> and the ARTIO, which represents the, the big end of town, and yep. the TCU that represents the employees, we'll say employers and employees, um, they, they walk into the Industrial Commission in agreement with what the new award's going to be, mostly. Yes. And uh, so, therefore... I'm quite happy and, and quite justified, I think, calling that a sweetheart deal. Yeah, yeah. And look, you're not going to get a hell of a lot of argument from me out of that. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're not only doing sweetheart deals in the Industrial Commission, we're going to do them in front of the Minister for Industrial Relations. So we're going to, and that's going to help sort the industry out. Like, I, I don't mean to be cynical, but uh, I think there's a bit of uh, history repeating itself going on here. Well, that, that does seem to be the way it looks on the surface, doesn't it? Well, I, I sincerely hope not because mm. I know Senator Glenn Stirl and a lot of good people have put a lot of valuable time into all this. Yeah. I just think without any transparency and without being a conspiracy theorist and without being anything other than grateful for the good things that other good things that are being done, mm. uh, I just uh, I am a little bit uh, concerned. Well, it just strikes me as very odd when you see People like Anderson saying our industry is more united than ever, you know, yes. and we need a meaningful reform powered by the experience and expertise in the transport industry participants, except yes. for the people that actually drive the trucks. We don't want to know what they think. No, no, and we don't, we don't want to acknowledge the fact that uh, mm. all those sweetheart agreement people weren't much help in 1979. They no. did their best to pull us apart and, and tear no. us down and denigrate no. everyone concerned. ARTIO and the Transport Workers Union have continued discussions on how a new system within the Fair Work Commission could operate to ensure a safe, sustainable and viable transport industry. It's a lovely little catchphrase, though, isn't it? Safe, well, it is. sustainable and viable transport industry. But I'm wondering if they've even read the ATA submission and yeah. if they have what they think of it. Yeah, I don't because know. I think the ATA's come up with the answer. Yeah, well, they've... They go on and they say that the industry is inherently dangerous and responsible for more workplace deaths than any other sector. I'm not quite so sure about some of those mm. statistics either, Mike. One because... of the highest rates of bankruptcies, they say, making it imperative to address these issues. Yeah, well, so we're... I think that the I think that the reality of the fact that we've always been price takers rather than price makers, and that the people at the top end of town are the ones that actually set the price. And they call themselves part of our industry. Well, can I can I pull you up there for a minute? Go on. They never set my price. Well, some people aren't as strong as you, Bob. Well, I understand that, mate. But um, you know, like um, 
we just don't need a great as much as we don't want to be raking over the coals. And mm. I, I did a little bit there back a minute ago, which you, I won't apologise for. You did. I let it go. That you're right. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I just think that um, there needs to be more input other than from the members of the industrial relations club. Yes. And uh, and the other thing is that uh, I've said before that the industry is not in crisis. And I think there's two pieces of evidence I can offer that on that today. Yep. The first being the close to 600 trucks that turned up at, at, at the casino. <laughs> there didn't seem to appear to be too much crisis amongst all that beautiful equipment. No, no, there wasn't a lot of crisis there. It was a little bit of consternation, though, when, when a 901 the rig of the month, everyone sort of went, oh, okay. righto, another 901. Well, why, why, why wouldn't they? They're, mm. they're, they're, they're plentiful and they're beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, and I've just come, I'm in Toowoomba tonight, yep. and I've just come down my usual old trip from Townsville down through, out to Tardis Towers and down to Roma and out. And, mate, the amount of beautiful gear that I saw on the, on the, the, uh, uh, Gregory Development Road and on the Carnarvon Highway and on the Warrigo Highway, like man, oh man. Mm. You talk to, talk to, I won't mention any names, but there's some very significant companies running out there because the Warrigo, you see them, the grain trucks, mm. the cattle trucks, the Darwin trucks, and mm. all, the, all the oil industry and gas industry trucks. And uh, I tell you what, if any of those people are suffering a crisis, they're not showing, they're not showing too many signs of it. Yeah, well. They're all carrying on, mate. They all reckon they've got the answers. They say here, Anderson says here, by establishing and maintaining enforceable standards through reform that is informed by industry experts, the road transport industry in Australia can ensure the well-being of its workers, promote fairness and safeguard the critical role in the country's economic landscape. So I'm quoting him saying that. Yeah, yeah, no, so well, they're believable words, mate. I believe he means every single one of them. The question is, is what, is, so he, what is he going to do? That's the question. Yeah. What, what's he intend to do about it? Yeah. Because he can speak louder than words. That's right. And but as you and I have both identified over the course of time and others, we like to hook another trailer on. We like to give a driver a little bit less room. It makes it harder with the rest areas and all that. And what did you say? 24 cents an hour it works out to? That's yeah, the driver's on hourly rate. The driver's on hourly rate uh, on a company, a, a, a driver I know that works for one of the, not the largest, but one of the largest. Yeah. He gets an extra 24 cents an hour if he hooks up to a B-double and his bosses can't work out why he only wants to tow a single. Yeah. Well, why, yeah. No, it's not rocket science, is it? No. You know, I'm three cents a kilometre. Like, that's the award. And I look, I do know of some companies that are paying five and seven cents a kilometre. But even that's in, inadequate. Mm. Well, they're not charging their uh, adding less for the pallets that are on the A trail or compared to no, the B trail, well, are they? Well, that's interesting because when I bought my first B double, mm. a mate of mine who's uh, involved in things in the background and and you know an experienced and long-standing operator with a good uh, a good reputation, he rang me up and roused on me, went crook at me. He said, "What the bloody hell are you doing to yourself?" And I said, "What do you mean?" Yeah. And he said, "Well, how are you going to afford your rates going down fifteen percent?" I said, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Oh, because he's, he's in the flat top side of the industry. Yeah. He said, oh, he said, if I turn up at my customers being uh, prime contractors, not yeah. he doesn't have his own customers. Yeah. He said, if I turn up with a B-double where I work, he said, they immediately take, you know, reduce the rates by 15%. Yep. And I said, well, if that happened to me, I wouldn't be driving, a, wouldn't be tying a B-double, would I? He yeah. said, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to get the same. I said, I get the same 
rate per pallet from my customers, regardless of how many trailers I've got on. And I said, and if it wasn't that way, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, well, there are too many people that have taken all this sort of stuff. Uh, price well, takers, as I said earlier, instead of price yeah, makers, well, and you know, they pay the price. If they chose, choose to be price takers, that's their lookout. Not every, you know, it's not the government's fault that people make poor decisions, bad decisions, or or, or, or don't stick up for themselves or stand up to be counted. Mm. You know, um, Ian Pendred told me one night that there's eight different cartage rates for tippers, and I'm, I'm guessing he's talking about in the grain side of things. Oh, probably, yep. Yeah, well, I don't know what what I just would not be able to live with that. No, I, I carted fresh produce all my career. I carted pipes and timber and stuff too, but I didn't cart timber for uh, the big companies that bought out the smaller companies or anything like that. Yep. And um, I uh, I just cannot believe, you know, we're talking about an industry in crisis. Well, the crisis has been brought on ourselves in many cases, sadly. Yeah, well, we we've had the conversation about are we desperate or are we stupid. That's right. That's uh, yeah, and, yeah. And and uh, sometimes you've got to think it's a little bit of a, a yeah. mixture of both. And and unfortunately, there are people out there uh, who get locked into what they're doing. Yeah, they get into a bit of a rut, I think. And uh, they, of course, they things proceed yeah. along so well until they realise that they're 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 captured, and then yeah. unfortunately, they're not brave enough to to. Step away from where they're captured and try and get in anything else because they've left the they've left the run too late. So that if what they choose to do doesn't quite pan out right, yeah. they can be in more trouble again. And they so they they try to play safe, but in playing safe, they just keep themselves captured and don't fulfil their potential. Yeah, it's well, a little bit hard. They they get on get 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 in a bit of a role at some mm. some stage rather than they seem to think the good times will never end, but they do. Well, they also seem to yeah. think that sooner or later someone will take charity on them and and, yeah. and revert things to the way they were, and my experience tells me that that'll never happen. No, it'll no. It'll never we, happen. We live, we live in a pretty cruel and cynical world, unfortunately. Oh, well, and the other part about this is we're more than happy these days to just watch other people fail. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, not good. You know, and, and we talked about, you know, we've talked about that in the past as well. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I struggle sometimes with with uh, what we see, you know, the outcomes of what we see. Some of it's perfectly predictable. You can sit there on the outside and look at it, and I, and I know it's easy to sit on the outside and look at it and see what's going to happen. But I keep seeing these delegations of people pop up, and it's the same it's the same sort of thing that's happened over and over again, mate. The game has not changed, and I'm sure you know that. Only the names have changed. The game well, hasn't I, changed. Well, I, I, I put examples of that in, in my first column for the Reborn Truck and Life issue. Yes, you, you did. You absolutely and, did. And the other thing is that, um, uh, go back to desperate and stupid, mm. I I said in one of the something to talk about and also in that column in Truck and Life that yep. uh, that was my why well, I had the thought bubble about looking at things from the top down so we could take away mm. the, the opportunity for people to capitalise mm. Uh, and and, and uh, you know, um, um, I've forgotten the word. Well, anyway, cap- take advantage of people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Take away the opportunity for for the, for the stronger players to take advantage of the, yeah. of the uh, you know, the lesser players, if yeah. you like. Yeah. And I think what the ATA has come up with um, goes a long way towards meeting that uh, that 
that that that criteria and and um, um, believing my suggestion and, and and your agreement with it. Yeah, well, that's about the size of it. Have you got anything else before we wrap it up? Um, oh, something I'll talk about in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing a bit of research into the NTC. Yep, and it would appear. And this, this, you know, the NTC activities go beyond the scope of uh, the inadequacies of the road transport industry. Right, and yeah. I'm not suggesting that they're in crisis. Right. But uh, the research I've been doing shows that road transport is not as important to any of our governments, especially the federal government and the collective governments when they have those transport ministers' meetings, yep. uh, than it ought to be. Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll delve into that a bit further, and I'll I'll uh, do something to talk about on it if you like. Well, we look forward to hearing about that, mate. We really yeah, do. So just just a bit of research. Right. All right, bud. <laughs> but well, um, but in the meantime, mate, I, I you know I wish everyone well. That's giving valuable time and effort towards making the industry better. And like I, even though I I disagree that it's in crisis, yeah. I'm not about disagree that uh, there are things that need to be fixed. Yeah. All right, mate. No worries. Will you uh, keep it safe? And I hope you have a good week and we'll yeah. talk to you down the track. Okay, mate. You take care and thanks. Right, Bob. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. G'day, it's Andy here once again, turning the spotlight on another of our great Aussie music artists. Our guest this week is no stranger to the stage, in fact, beyond the huge list of Australian concerts and festivals she's already played, she is one of only a few select Aussie music artists invited to perform at CMA Fest in Nashville, USA, the worldwide mecca of country music, along with their own James Johnston and a host of American artists. After her performances there, she was invited to the Apple Music offices to play a few songs as well as appearing live at a Sounds of Australia event. Back home in Australia, after getting rave reviews for her EP called Side A, released around nine months ago, She's hit the ground running once more and just released her second EP, rather appropriately titled Side B. She's joining us on the show this week to talk about her skyrocketing music career, and a little later we'll play her great new single titled Hometownless, drawn from the new EP. Destined to be at the forefront of the wave of focused young Aussie artists set to make a big impact on the international music scene, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Chloe Styler. G'day, Clary. Welcome to On The Road. Thank you for having me. 
pleasure. Now, people love to label music artists and put them on a particular genre shelf. I've heard you described as country, pop, indie. (laughs) How would you describe your style and your music? I think pop country is a good way to label it. I just write anything that I feel and then when I get in the studio, I have a bit of fun and I make sure the song gets the life that it deserves. So whether that's more pop-leaning or more country-leaning, at the end of the day, it doesn't really bother me because I need to make sure that the song is how it should be, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, let it to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a bit of me in the songs. Well, a lot of me in every song. (laughs) Yeah, good. Hopefully all of you in every song. (laughs) Now, along with our mate James Johnson, he's been on the show a few times, lovely bloke. Mm. You were personally invited to perform at the prestigious CMA Fest in Nashville. That's like a seriously big deal. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was incredible. There was thousands and thousands of people there. So to be able to have the opportunity to perform my music in Nashville firstly and then at CMA Fest, I feel so honoured. It was an incredible experience as well, just to experience CMA Fest. For sure. It's four days of country music in Nashville. It's, It's much like Tamworth, how it's just through the streets. Basically, they shut the city down and everyone's just walking through the streets and going from stage to stage. I've never seen anything quite like it, really. You turn a corner onto Broadway and you can't even see the ground because it's just swarmed with people. So firstly, it was amazing to play. And then secondly, it was amazing just to be there and experience the whole thing. Yeah. Well, as you said, a lot like Tamworth, but on steroids, I suppose, really. Yeah, definitely on steroids. So how did the invite come about? I had originally been invited to perform in 2020 and we all know what happened there. Yes. But they kind of just said, when the time is right, we'll get you back. And the time was right this year and I got to have a go at it. So, yeah, it truly was a dream come true. Yeah, it was a great promise they made you and thankfully they fulfilled it, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was wondering whether or not I'd actually would follow through. Yeah. But they did and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Well, they obviously love what they heard. Now, I believe after the CMA event, you even got to share your songs with the folk at the Apple Music Offices. Yes. Yeah, when we were in town, there was a few of us Aussies there for CMA Fest, we all got invited to go to Apple Music and have a tour of their offices in Nashville. Great. Incredible facilities. Yeah. Then we also got to do a couple of acoustic songs for the team there, which was very nerve-wracking, but also really amazing to have that opportunity and, and just to get their feedback as well, because these are the people that put us on playlists. These are the people that can help with the life of a song. So yeah, it was really great. I mean, when I was also in town, I got to do some co-writing sessions. So I wrote four songs when I was over there and I also just did all the touristy things. Good. I went to the Opry, I went to the Rhineland, I went to all the touristy things you can think of, I pretty much did. <laughs> yeah. I was working but I was also a tourist. Well, why not? Yeah. All those experiences put together certainly wouldn't have done your career any harm, would it? No, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> no. And you also performed at the it was called a, a Taste of Australia event. What was that all about? Yeah, so that was a Sounds Australia event. Mm. Sounds Australia put on events at international showcases and festivals for Australians. So we are able to showcase our music to industry in that particular city or country. So this was the first time that Sounds Australia put on an event in Nashville Mm. for CMA Fest. Mm. So that was really, really exciting to be a part of it. Also, there were so many Aussies in the room. It just felt like a big reunion. Wow. So that was really nice as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sounds Australia are so supportive. I'm not sure if you know what they do. They help Australian artists export internationally. So just to have their support is incredible. And I could rave about Nashville and the two weeks I spent there for literally three hours. (laughs) 
I'll bet. <laughs> well, I'll have to look them up and have a chat with them because it sounds like a great thing they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're so supportive and they are such champions of Australian musicians, any genre as well. So if any artists are listening to this, try and get in touch with them and see how you can work with them because they're just incredible. Might have to do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Chloe, following the success last year of your EP Side A, you've just released your follow-up EP called Side B. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> and a brand new single from the EP called Hometownless. Can you share with us the background to how Hometownless came to be written? I would love to. So Hometownless was written with my dear friend Jason Resch. He's from mm -hmm. the band Darlinghurst, if you know them. Good friends of ours as well. They're great. Oh, we love Darlinghurst. They're incredible. And I'm a big fan of theirs and I'm also a huge fan of Jason. He's a lovely bloke. Yeah, lovely guy, incredible songwriter, yep. amazing producer, a really nice person to jump on a Zoom co-write with. Mm. So we actually wrote my single from last year, Vega Than Vegas, together. And then we also wrote Hometownless way back in 2019. So I jumped in the studio in 2020 and three years later now it's out as a single and I'm really proud of it. It was born out of a moment of sadness, I suppose. Like I was going through a breakup mm. and I jumped on the Zoom right with Jason and he had this song title, Hometownless, floating around. And to be honest, I didn't really know what he meant because it's not a real word. And I, <laughs> I just was like, oh, you might need to explain that one a little bit more. But once we got talking, I totally knew what he meant. When you're in a relationship with someone, home is where the heart is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and when you go through a breakup, you're left searching for that place to call home again in the form of a person. So, yeah, I mean, it is a breakup song, but I like it because it's a bit more hopeful. It's not sad. It's not depressing. There's hope in it and there's looking forward to the future and knowing that although I'm on the road again, trying to find that special someone, I know that I will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, positive country music, let's hear more of it. <laughs> I'm all for it. I can't promise lots of it because <laughs> I am very emotional as a human being, but I can try my best. <laughs> now, the video for the song, it's brilliant too, though Thank I believe you. your plans for the filming were thrown into a bit of chaos by one of our typical Queensland thunderstorms. Yeah, so I'm from the Gold Coast, yep. but I drove up to Gympie for this filming. I worked with incredible director Jasmine Smith from Jasmine Producers, and mm -hmm. we had this grand idea of a beautiful rolling field sunset situation. It was about 37 degrees that day. It was mid-March, yep. and I was laying in a field. I have allergies, first of all, and I was taking Zyrtec and trying not to get all affected by it. And then, you know, when you can just feel it in the air that the storm's coming, Yep. we just had this feeling. So Jasmine called up a friend and we ended up being able to find a space in Gympie, which was really lucky. So we transported ourselves there and lucky we did because I have really not seen a thunderstorm like that in years. It was huge and lightning, thunder cracks, pouring down rain. Yeah. The street we were on in Gympie flooded. <laughs> it was hectic. But we got what we needed and it actually all worked out in the end and even better than I think we were hoping. You know, the world works in mysterious ways yep. and we were meant to get that final scene inside. I think. Well, it worked. So thank goodness for that. Yeah, thank goodness. What does the rest of 2023 hold in store for you, Chloe? It's actually looking pretty busy. Hmm. I have, what is going on for me this month? This month is huge. I'm playing at the Gimpy Muster. Yep. I'm performing at the Gold Coast Music Awards. So I actually am up for release of the year for side A, which I'm really proud of because those songs mean so much to me. And to be up against all the incredible musicians that are coming out of the Gold Coast and their albums slash EPs that they've been releasing. 
it's just really, really wonderful to have that recognition. So For sure. Yeah, I've got that this month. I've got a couple more songs I'd really like to release before the end of the year. And I'd really like to play some more shows. So there's a bit on. My calendar is booking up very quickly. And I'm trying to get as much sleep as I yeah. can because I know that it's going to be a big few months. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, so no sitting back and taking a break for you. No, I don't think so. <laughs> For our listeners who want to find out more about you and your music, as well as find out where you might be performing, mm -hmm. where can they go for all the info? The best place is my Instagram, so hello Chloe Styler, or my website chloestyler.com. I'm also on Facebook and all the social medias. So whatever works for anybody, I'm there. But yeah, I mean, all my tour dates, all my merchandise, everything is on my website, so chloestyler.com. Fantastic. Folks, our guest this week has been Chloe Styler. Chloe, I really appreciate you taking a little time out of your busy schedule. Look, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Now, to close out our chat today, would you please introduce your new single for us? Of course. My name is Chloe Styler, and this is my brand new single, Hometownless. Cheers, Chloe. Take care, mate.
on the road, it's time for the news. Hey Mike, welcome back from sunny Casino, mate. How was the show? Casino was absolutely amazing. Turns out it is now the largest working truck show in the Southern Hemisphere. We pipped the TMC truck show in Christchurch. Yeah. Over 600 trucks uh, at the show. Mm. Um, just short of 600 were judged, I think. They were still parking when the, when the show was nearly over. It was, you know, wow. a, a great thing. People had to park. Uh, one lady that walked down to our stand where we were launching Truck and Life said that it had taken her 40 minutes to walk down to where we were yeah. so she could uh, so she could get a copy of our magazine. So She didn't have uh, one leg, did she? No, she didn't have one leg. No. Okay. No. Yeah. She was, uh, she was, uh, she had legs. I didn't look at them, but they were there. She I'm knows sure. how to use them. <laughs> boots, the boots were made for walking, mate. That's all we can say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. No, it was a great show. We had, we're lucky we had a beautiful day. It was quite warm uh, during the middle of the day. Hmm. Uh, started out foggy and horrible, and I thought, oh, no, this is going to be a challenge. But the fog burned off. The sun came through. And the big bangers shone through, mate. Gee, there were some nice-looking bits of gear there. It was a really yeah, great day. I'll bet. Great day. As is the case frequently when a bunch of lads get out on their own together to have some fun. Yeah. There were a few rumours flying around after the show, mate. I'm sure there were. <laughs> yeah. Mm. One I heard that you guys mm. went down to the local topless bar one night after the show. <laughs> I didn't know there was a topless bar. I was not involved. <laughs> sure you didn't. And a little birdie told me that you had a bit of a look around amongst the waitresses, nudged Yogi and said, uh, which one would you like to be stuck in a lift with? Yeah. Apparently Yogi's reply was, the one who knows how to fix stuck elevators. <laughs> That'd be right. That'd be right. Yeah. 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 So no truth? No, no truth in that at all. There there was uh, there was some things happened in the pub on the night afterwards, but nothing to do with, with stuck elevators, I guarantee you. What happens in the pub stays in the pub. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So what news do we not have to talk about? Oh, look, there's so much news we're not having to talk about, mate. There's all this electric truck news, of course. Toll of, uh, of, Toll of uh, welcomed their first hydrogen long-haul truck as well. I'll be interested to see that sometime, I suppose. Mm. Hino have partnered with uh, rugby stars uh, to come to Sydney schools. Mercedes-Benz have bought their gigaspace cab option to Australia and New Zealand, finally. Mm-hmm. Mac have partnered with Cotton on Clothing. Mm. Um, Oveco are launching a new heavy vehicle alternate energy range. It's just the same sort of stuff. It's like yeah, that, that's the news. You'll find all that. Of course, uh, there is a there are a few interesting stories around. There's one about the South Australian outback publican at Lindhurst, who's a bit of a popular place for the truckies to go. Mm. And of course, the ball is again rolling on the grain industry code of practice. And I tell you, that's not before time either. None of this stuff we're going to talk about today, mate. We're going to get on some other stories. Well, we will, but I've got to ask, mate. Why is it that who was it? Mercedes Benz is doing away with cotton clothing. No, that was Mac. Mac. Why are they doing away with cotton clothing? No, no, they're partnering with Cotton on Clothing. Oh, okay. I heard that all wrong, didn't I? Did you? Um, well, you need to get clean your ears out, mate. Cotton on Clothing is a brand, I believe. And oh, well, that's why it's better that we're not talking about it, I guess. That's right. Let's not. Yeah. Let's all not. right. Well, we'll kick on in then, mate. And 
And first up, the ATO is chasing a bit of debt recovery. That's not likely. No, no. <laughs> they they did take it fairly easy on people over the COVID period, and mm. uh, they were you know sort of letting things slide a little bit and giving people a bit of time. I suppose. Look, this story is not specifically related to transport. It's it's business in general, mm. and but but it it does sort of make me wonder whether this is in some way connected with the number of transport businesses we're seeing uh, sort of fading into history, so so to speak. All the auctions yeah. going on and all that. Well, the only people that have made any money out of trucking the last few years are the auction houses. Let's face it, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, them and the fuel companies, uh, and of course the banks with their ever increasing interest rates. Yeah, but but you know, don't start me on that. Yeah, um, the ATO has uh, now started to play a little bit harder, and they're requiring people to meet their obligations. Small business comprises the overwhelming majority of tax debt. Uh, the total collectible tax debt at the moment is forty-four point eight billion dollars, with a B, billion dollars. So. 69% of that sort of come about since June 30, 2019. So it suggests that the COVID period was a bit of a challenge for a lot of people in business, and we know that to be true, mm, mm. Uh, particularly in transport. We had the rules changed on a, virtually on a daily basis, sometimes twice a day, depending on where you're going. And a lot of companies suffered some very, very hard knocks and managed to sort of change their way, like trade their way through it. And then, of course, we had all that fuel excise rubbish that we, we, we had to deal with as well. Um, the challenges have never been greater. And, mm. uh, you know, now we're sort of starting to see uh, the Labor Party bring together this transport reform package that they're talking about. But for some people, it's going to be too little too late, I think. Yeah. And uh, the ATO are like a dog with a bone. If you owe them 50 cents, they'll chase you to the grave for it. So yeah. by all means, pay your tax. And because that's our responsibility to pay it, a bit of theft, so it, so it is. I often wonder. We, I mean, we could have the whole taxation without representation argument. The amount of things that are happening lately that no one voted for. Mm -hmm. let's, let's not go down that rabbit hole. No. But you know, the ATO, as we say, I don't think that they've got a uh, compassionate bone in their body. That's the tax office for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, so that's about all I've got on that one, mate. No surprise that the tax office is going to play hard. Now, mate, we're told that a new 11.7 kilometre long bypass at Griffith will allow freight operators to access local freight networks whilst bypassing the Griffith CBD. Yeah, bypassing the Griffith CBD. If you've ever been down to Griffith and you're trying to drive around there, they actually drive the uh, drive road trains around the outside of the town. It's mm. really quite incredible. Um, I've obviously been over there a few times, and I will be thankful to not have to drive through the middle of Griffith. Mind you, if you're a truck driver, there's no reason for you to drive into Griffith because there's not a bloody roadhouse in Griffith. Mm. You know, there's nowhere for you to go and have a shower or anything like that. Um, the facilities for long-distance drivers, particularly in Griffith, are non-existent. There's no reason to go through there. So the Griffith Southern Industrial Link, as it's been called, has been rolled out in stages since 2017. And it was officially opened, the final stage of it was opened by our illustrious Premier, Mr Chris Minns, on Monday, August 7. So uh, key link road. Now opening and working, the government are quite happy with that. 
Once again, not to be too cynical, I love it when the incoming government can go ahead and take credit for something the previous government did. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's another rabbit hole we won't go down. Yeah. Look, but they're doing a great job. Obviously, the Labor Party have a, a different plan for what's going on with rural, re, uh, regional and remote roads in New South Wales. And they've got a lot of things that are coming to pass, the Hexham Bypass and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I'm sure that uh, the next government, when they change hands, will be doing the same thing as they've done forever. But not having to drive through Griffith anymore, I think, is something that would have many drivers breathing a sigh of relief, me included. Absolutely. Mike, this week the 2023 Hino Roadshow headed out from Toowoomba on a journey across the country of some 130,000 kilometres. <laughs> Which country is that, mate? Did I read that right? That's the way the story goes. I uh, I read with amazement. 130,000 kilometres. They're obviously going to go backwards and forwards across Australia like about 15 <laughs> times, you know. Yeah. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. One hundred and thirty thousand sort of blows me away. I used to do uh, eight thousand a week with my lovely other half, Rose, mm. going from Sydney to Perth and back to eight thousand. So that's a few trips backwards and forwards. They say that they're going to start, uh, they're going to travel as far north as Mackay, and they're going to go as far south as Mount Gambier, uh, across the Nullarbor to Perth, and they're going to eventually finish up in Canberra. In the beginning of 2024, I don't think they're going to put 130,000 k's on them somehow. No, not anyway. unless they're planning on heading to Auckland as well. But oh, well, they could, I suppose. I think they could even go to Auckland and back. We'll put some floaties on them and the long and, way, uh, yeah, go the long way. <laughs> be, be all right, I suppose. Indeed. 2022, they're bringing their range of next generation vehicles to over 500 customers as the roadshow travels around various locations of the country. Look, Hino do a great job. They've got uh, a lot of nice little trucks. Um, they'll be able to, dealers will be able to handpick their most appropriate trucks for their markets from the, the, the range. And, you know, they always sell a lot of trucks as long as they get their emissions control stuff right. I don't think anyone will have an issue. Hmm. Fair call. There you go. 80 years of global experience in design and innovation. Fantastic. Lovely. There you go. That's an ad for, free ad for Hino. And a bit of a shot at one of the newspaper publications that can't work out that 130,000 cases is probably wrong. But anyway. Now, now. Yeah. Should, I, should I not be petty? No, we might leave that as news we don't talk about. <laughs> mm. Okay. I love it with these things. But in what is being called an unprecedented achievement, Mineral Resources is set to introduce a fleet of 120 totally self-driving road trains for deployment in the Onslow Iron Project in WA. Yeah, I don't think they're totally autonomous. I think they've got to follow along behind one that's being operated by a human. Mm. But uh, having said that, I expect that they're all, they've all got controls and everything in them mm. for, the, uh, for, for a human to operate them. I uh, read through this story and I thought, mm, okay, well, this is entirely on on private road, so we're not going to be anywhere out uh, out where the public can have an interaction with these vehicles. So, I, I, look, I don't really have too much of a problem with it. I look at the pictures of the trucks and I see how many wheels and axles and tyres and things they're running. 330 tonnes of iron ore. Hmm. Um, a triple like that would have to be grossing uh, well, they're, they're talking about uh, 330 tonnes of iron ore. 
the truck itself would have to probably tear about 58, no, 55, 58 tonnes somewhere around there. Yeah. So we're talking 380 tonnes if, if, unless they've taken their tear weight into consideration. I doubt that they have, though. And it's about 150 kilometres of dedicated private road. Um, I tell you what, it's going to be messy if it goes wrong. Well, I was just going to say, do you remember as kids we used to play a game on computers called Lemmings? Yes. I'm just wondering if they're following some human dude in a truck mm. who has a moment and drives off a cliff. <laughs> do they all go pouring off after Yeah, it? it's, uh, it's quite, uh, quite an interesting thought. Mm. 120 completely self-driving road trains, meticulously crafted. Mm. I just love the way they put that sentence together. Well, it's an unprecedented it's, achievement, mate, so they would be. It is. Well, it's got to be unprecedented. Mm. They're excited to cement their partnership with Hexagon to deliver the world's first fleet of autonomous road trains. They're going to be essential to Onslow Iron's safe, efficient and dust-free solution for hauling ore. How are we going to have a dust-free solution to a truck rolling down a haul road in the middle of nowhere? I, I don't. The modified vacuum cleaners, man. <laughs> obviously, you know, I make the comment sometimes, am I too cynical? And you say, yes. Yeah, some, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I look at the way some of this stuff is spun. I mean, the, the level of spin in this story, um, it, it really is quite astounding to me. Uh, they're talking about 220,000 tonnes. Uh, 220,000 tonne enclosed negative pressure storage facility at the port. Mm. Uh, you know, they're spending an absolute boatload of money on this. Um, and really, what are they What are they doing? They're saving a few drivers' wages. That's, that's about the end of it. Because the trucks are still going to need to be maintained. Yep. They're still going to need people to inspect them. They're still going to need tyre fitters. They're still going to need mechanics. They're still going to need all the stuff that goes along with that. And the bit that really confuses me, mate, is we can't even keep our Bluetooth connected to our phone. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how long it's going to be before there's some sort of a massive accident out there. And you know the good part about it? It's all on private roads, so we'll never, ever hear about it. Well, hopefully it stays that way. I mean, if, mm. if one of these 120 totally self-driving autonomous road trains happens to fall in behind one of these hinos from the road show... <laughs> They'll be off on a 130,000-kilometre jaunt around the country. It's a scary thought, isn't it? It is. I, I, it is a scary thought. I mean, I, these things still run on, on diesel and all the rest of it. There's nothing about these trucks, apart from the fact that they're supposedly autonomous, mm. that makes them any different to any other truck. They still need all the same stuff, you know? Do they pull up at the Bowser and fill themselves up? or Maybe they do. Mm. Maybe they do. Maybe they've got some 16-year-old kid on $100,000 a year fueling up trucks. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Interesting. The reality of it is, mate, is that these trucks still need all the same amount of attention that any other ordinary truck uh, needs. Mm. And the weights that they're putting on these trucks is absolutely astronomical. I see a picture of one of these things with these big super tip trucks, tip trailers on them. But they're running quad axles and tri-drives. It's exactly the same as the one I was driving. Well, it's like yeah. you, if you're driving one of them mm. a, as a human being yep. and there's something not quite right in your rig, you know, don't you? You just know. Well, you you, you get a clue. You know, if yeah. you see the rubber go flying off in the mirror, you've got a clue. You know, you might have blown a tire. Is an autonomous truck going to pick up on that sort of stuff itself? Is I don't know. know. 
I don't know the answer to that question. I, I mean, you, you can get air sensor systems and all the rest of it. Whether whether it's going to stop or not is another thing. A buddy thing certainly can't change its own tyres. Mm. I mean, it, it can't do that. We know that. Mm. And uh, I had a bit of a laugh. Uh, I was reading a story in another, you know, like in a, one of the uh, European publications. Is, uh, they've got these automatic uh, driving taxis and that running around and doing deliveries and everything. People have got the got the uh, the uh, or they got upset with it. I was going to say something else. <laughs> um, and they put a traffic cone in front of it. <laughs> of course, it just stopped. That was it. Mm. Not going anywhere. I've got an orange cone in front of me. That's it. End of story. Cone and says no. Cone says no. <laughs> and, you know, you look at all the, the technology, I mean, talking about the delivery robots. Have you seen the delivery robots? The people were just kicking them over and knocking, up, knocking off what was inside them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you're not going to kick one of these things over and knock off, what, knock off the iron ore. You're not going to do that. Mm. But, uh, you know, I, I just wonder sometimes, I mean, we do this sort of stuff. I sort of think to myself, just because we can doesn't mean we should. Yeah, I think there's going to be a certain wait-and-see element to this one. Well, yeah. Mm. All they're saving is a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year on driver's wages. That's it. Mm. You know, I mean, well, it might be more than that. But at the end of the day, once you've removed the human element from this equation, then I don't care what you say. You've removed an essential part of of how the job gets done Hmm. And how the job gets done related to other people. Well, the essential part, yeah. Well, yeah. Hmm. I, I don't want to talk about slippery slopes and all that because I don't see it as being that. I mean, this is a specific application out in the desert with specific trucks. I mean, they've tested it. They, they believe it works. I'm sure that there have been some disasters already in the testing. Um, but I just question, you know, what the sense of doing this stuff is. I mean, we've got a we've got a situation now where we've got a growing population. There there are people that are looking for work, mm. and uh, we keep automating things like this. I know that there's a great push to try and automate trucks on the highway, mm. but in the states now that there are people that are walking away from that idea. They uh, that's all too hard. Mm. It's all too hard. And the other part about this is the litigation. What happens when it goes pear shaped? Because it will. Mm. I mean, it will. Not not a case of if, when. When it goes pear-shaped, what happens and who's responsible? And uh, I just wonder about all these technological advances sometimes. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. That's my thought anyway. Absolutely. Anyway, there you go. And I'm an old bloke, so I I don't like technology. I don't, <laughs> I don't like I don't like change much either. No. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's it, mate. Mate, recent research from the Track Industry Council and the NHVR has looked into the consequences of the new wide tyre technology known as super singles. They have indeed. These things, we've been running super singles all over the place for quite some time. It's not Super singles are not new technology. What it is that they're a little bit concerned about is that uh, there are guys now that want to run these on the drive. Now, this has been something that's been done it's technology that's been proved overseas. Um, in the US, the, the wider drive tyres are quite well accepted. Mm. Um, very is common a, over there. Very common over there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of advantages to running them uh, on the drive, uh, not the least of which is the, 
supposedly reduced friction and you know, road pressure and all that sort of thing. They get a little bit better balance. Uh, obviously, if one of these things blows, it causes you a little bit more of a significant problem than if you blow a jewel. Yeah, indeed. Now, researchers found that these wide tyres wouldn't cause greater damage or wear to the roads. Knowledge is always the barrier, I suppose, to the inception of these things. Mm. They've tested them extensively and they seem to think that it's, it's a good idea. The day-to-day use of single tyres really does make it easier for, for the drivers to check tyre condition, monitor inflation pressure and inspect brake components, things like that, because you get a better view. That they don't take up as much physical space. Mm. And, of course, because you've got that extra space around them, apparently the, the, the research is suggesting that it leads to cooler hubs and, and uh, cooler brakes and less therefore less wheel-in fires. Well, I don't know if I agree so much with that. Mm. I mean, making sure everything's properly lubricated and you, your bearings, wheel bearings are properly adjusted and everything like that sort of has a pretty good effect on reducing heating and wheel, wheel-in fires as well. Any mechanic will tell you that. Uh, the TIC saying that there's no justification. Sorry? Good lubrication and, and an adjustment's always been a good thing. Well... It does reduce the smoke getting out. If you let the smoke out, it's a bit of a problem, so they tell me. And, of course, then you let the flames out and then it's all over. Well, so, apparently there's been some complaints from the uh, Cane Toad Association in Queensland claiming that right. it's just not giving them any chance whatsoever. At least they've got some hope with the duelies. <laughs> Go down the middle, you reckon? <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Dear, indeed. So, anyway, this whole research project was funded by the... NHBR's Heavy Vehicle Safety Initiative and supported by the federal government. They basically said this thing is okay. The NTRO, which was formerly the ARRB, hmm. and I don't remember what ARRB, Australian Roads Research Body, I think it was. Don't quote me. I could may well be wrong. I'm, I'm not always right with this sort of stuff, all the acronyms. Hmm. Tire suppliers, Goodyear and Michelin, also contributed to the, to the research and uh, they've the overall conclusion is it's is it's a good thing. Technology could prove to be a game changer for the industry. Not quite uh, the technology change required for autom- autonomous trucks, but it is a big change in tyre technology. And I was having a bit of a chat to my mate, old Hellbent Hagen, on Twitter, hmm. and he runs these things on his trucks, and he reckons they're the best thing since sliced bread. So, you know, and he's all about fuel economy and maintenance and you know, saving as much money as you can in his transport operation. Mm. So, you know, if you don't go into these things uh, without doing your research and, and your due diligence, uh, then you you, you you sort of got to answer a few questions. But uh, Jamie is a big fan and he wouldn't be if it wasn't cost effective. Yeah. So why wouldn't we look at it? And they look cool too. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but... No, you know, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a little bit. Oh, you get used to things, you know. Like you, you see the way the the Europeans, particularly the British, have their trucks with uh, one single wheel and a and a a dual drive axle, a, a dual wheel on on the drives, and so you end up with like a a steer tire look on the front axle on the drive. Mm. And I've always thought that just looks weird. Mm. It just looks weird. It just looks wrong to me, you know. Hmm. And you know, you see these guys that are putting the wheel spats in so that you get the airflow around the, around the wheels and all that aerodynamic stuff. And I mean, it, I suppose it looks all right. 
I've always considered when you put things over hubs and that, it's just that's just one way to cook your hubs, you know. Yeah. Got to keep the heat in. I don't know. Horses for courses, I suppose. Yep. I'll be interested to see them running around. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the uptake is. And I sort of wonder about what the cost of them would be for one of those tyres versus a, a, a set of jewels. Mm. The, the other part about it too is I wonder what the wear would be like because you end up with some fairly unique wear patterns on your drive tyres sometimes. It's a little bit interesting. Yes, good point. Anyway, that, that's it, mate. Thought for the week for you. Please. True forgiveness is when you can say thank you for that experience. <laughs> Even if it was bad. Mm. Mm. That's true mm. forgiveness. Is it? Yeah, apparently. It's according to Oprah Winfrey anyway. I, I forgive Oprah. God bless her. God bless her and all too sailed on her. <laughs> all right, buddy. All right. Thanks for that. Thanks for doing the news with me so late on a Saturday evening, mate. I do appreciate it. Oh, mate, it's a pleasure. What would I have been doing otherwise? Just having dinner and relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you. All right, mate. Take care out there. I'll go and do it. See ya. See ya. Have you ever come up behind a caravan wearing a big green sticker that says, I'm truck friendly? It's simply telling you that the driver you're following is a part of a growing safety-minded community of caravanners who actually want to help other road users, have a good understanding of safe towing practices and have a UHF radio switched on and ready to communicate. If you too want to be a part of the solution and not the problem, find out more about the great truck-friendly caravan road safety program by visiting their Facebook page or website at www.truckfriendly.com.au. To take us out of the show, it's this week's music guest, Chloe Styler, once more with Consider Me Gone.
Instead, I acted as if being in love meant you put up a fight. I should have listened to them. is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. (laughs) 